reading, today's scripture reading, comes from Song of Solomon, or Song of Songs, chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. I am a rose of Sharon, a lily of the valleys. As a lily among brambles, so is my love among maidens. As an apple tree among the trees of the wood, so is my beloved among young men. With great delight, I sat in his shadow, and his fruit was sweet to my taste. He brought me to the banqueting house, and his intention toward me was love. This is the word of the Lord. All right, you may grab a seat. Thank you, Jonathan. Well, good evening. How's everyone doing tonight? Good, I think. Uh, First of all, what are you guys doing here? Because I hope you know that the real Christians are at the U2 concert. So... (laughs) Uh, but nonetheless, unless you already went, I love it, or, uh, or you're going in the future, regardless, I'm so glad that you're here. And keep in mind, all of my colleagues sitting over here said that joke would not go well. So thank you for that courtesy laugh. Uh, my, name is, my name is Prentice, and I'm the lead pastor at Bethany in West Seattle. And, and I love when I get an opportunity to speak here and to be part of this Green Lake community. And Again, happy Mother's Day to, to all the mothers in here, all the anticipating mothers. Uh, at, at my congregation at West Seattle, we have about 150 people, and 11 women are pregnant. Uh, and so there's a lot of excitement and joy and something in the water. I don't know, uh, but we're excited uh, for that antis- anticipation. Uh, at the same time, we know that this season, this day, also brings a lot of sorrows and, and hardships and pains and memories. Uh, again, even um, pastoring at this church, I get an opportunity to walk alongside people and, and walk alongside families that are going through infertility and, and loss. In fact, I had a mother who lost her son just on Wednesday. And, and so I know that there's a big uh, dichotomy of, of emotions and feelings this day, but may we feel uh, the love for those that are going through a difficult time and, on the other hand, also be able to celebrate uh, our mothers. Uh, the women that are close to us in our lives. Uh, and so with that said, uh, tonight we're going to continue in on Song of Solomon chapter 2. Uh, and, and again, this, this series has been really exciting for me, and I'm glad I get a chance to teach here. But before I do that, let me pray. God, thank you so much for the mothers in here, for the stories, for the hardships. And we know that you hold all things in your hand. And we're grateful for that. We thank you for what you are about to say to us about relationships, about love, about intimacy, about how to relate to one another. We thank you for your word. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So tonight is going to be a very practical message. Uh, And I know that on the note sheet you have three sets of notes uh, that Pastor Richard did this morning. It will be a little different with me. And so if you are a note taker, uh, I want to go through three things with you. With the premise being this, that there is power in words. I think we all know that. We've all experienced power in words. And so the main objective today where we're going is understanding that with words, there is much power that goes along with it. And we'll look at three things. That in these words of affirmation is what we'll talk about, is that it is important to have, number one, affirmation in a world of criticism. Number two, unexpressed affirmation is no affirmation. And lastly, affirmation breeds affirmation. 
Now, when I was growing up, one story that I really remember vividly with my mother and myself is this. My mom uh, was a very typical Korean mother, very overbearing, very overprotective, very rigid, and she's watching this online, so I'm sorry, mom. Uh, But that's the household that I grew up in, and I look back, and I'm so appreciative of it today. And I remember, and I'll never forget this, that any time I would come home uh, because uh, come home sad or upset because somebody was mean to me or someone said unkind things to me, I would tell my mother, uh, and she would get down on one knee, and actually she would say this in Korean, but something like this. She would say, repeat after me. Repeat these words after me. And I said, okay. And I think we've all heard these words before. She would say, sticks and stones may break my bones but words will never hurt me. And that ended up being a mantra uh, of my childhood. Anytime somebody said anything mean to me, I would just sit back to my own head and I would say, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And, And I would submit to you that many of us, including myself, we've lived enough life To understand that although that mantra has great meaning and great intentions, that just simply is not true. That although sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me, is a wonderful thing to cling on to. At the end of the day, we've all been through so much hurt and so much pain, intentionally or unintentionally, by the words that if somebody has said to us or about us, that we understand and know that just simply isn't true. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, oftentimes when we experience so much pain with the power of words that we would rather be hit with a stone or a stick rather than hear the words that were thrown at us. Because when you get hit with a stone or a stick, eventually it'll heal. Yes, it would hurt, but eventually it'll heal and eventually you'll get over it. But words have a different sense of power. Words will hurt and words will stay with you. And not not necessarily just for days, maybe for weeks, maybe for months, maybe for years, maybe for the rest of our lives. Words have the power to hurt those around you. Words have the power to hurt you. Words have that much power. Now the good news, the flip side, it's also true. That words have the power not just to to hurt and to give pain, but to also give life. Words have the power to give life. I I mean, think about the last compliment that that you received. I mean, think about the last time someone said, I love you. Or or think about the last time someone noticed what you did and said, I I appreciate that. Thank you. Or, Or when was the last time you got an unsolicited compliment? That puts you on cloud nine, doesn't it? Does that give you the warm and fuzzies inside? I, I remember last week, uh, I'm coaching at this gym, at this CrossFit gym, uh, and, and I was leaving the night after I was done coaching, and the owner of the gym runs down, going to these obstacles, and says, Prentice, Prentice, and, and I turn around on my way to my car, and I thought I was in trouble. I thought I did something wrong, and he only said two things to me. He said, Prentice, good job. He said, Prentice, good job. And I just, I went to my car so happy. Man, I was like kind of, I was skipping. I had that swag, you know, a little bit, just kind of walking. 
And I got into my car and I said to myself, there's not enough traffic in the world to ruin my mood. From two words. Good job. Words matter. Words are powerful. And, and what we'll see is that words can determine the, the trajectory of our relationships. Words can determine the trajectory of our relationships. I love what it says in James chapter 3, uh, and, and I'll read the voice translation. And the voice translation says this, uh, Have you ever seen a massive ship sailing effortlessly across the water? Despite its immense size and the fact that it is propelled by mighty winds, a small rudder directs the ship in any direction the pilot chooses. It's just the same with our tongues. It's a small muscle capable of marvelous things. And this is so important for us to know, especially, especially when we live in a world of so many voices, with so much criticism, with constant telling you of how to live, how to be, how to look like, how much to weigh, uh, all this, how to dress, how to be in a relationship. With all these voices uh, and this constant noise in our life, it's so much more important that we hear these words of affirmation in the world of criticism. See, criticism has a power to break and affirmation has a power to mend. See, when I talk about affirmation, I'm not talking about flattery. I'm not talking about just being nice. I'm not just talking about blowing smoke. Affirmation is about telling the truth. Affirmation is about declaring the beauty in one's personhood. And the hardest part and the best part is this. Affirmation expects nothing back. And I love in Song of Solomon chapter 2, verse Verse 1, it says this. It's right off the back. It says, it says uh, I am a rose of Sharon. <clears throat> this is the woman talking. She says, I am a rose of Sharon, a lily of the valleys. And in this one verse, there's so much going on here. And, and at a quick glance, it would seem like she's speaking with so much confidence, doesn't it? I mean, have you ever received a rose before? Have you ever given a rose to somebody? Typically, when, re when you receive a rose or when you give a rose, it's because it means she's special. Right? And so when we think about this word, we think of something very unique and special and, and something that you give to somebody when you just adore them. See, in, in chapter 2, verse 1, uh, that's not what she's talking about. In fact, the very opposite. See, the word here for this flower, for this rose uh, in Hebrew is habasalet. Uh, habasalet, which is really a better translation. It's not, not rose, but, but a little, uh, not a rose, but a crocus or a tulip type of flower. And so instead of her talking in confidence the way that we would see it, in fact, it's the very opposite, that habasalet, this flower, this tulip type flower, is very common around ancient Palestine. It wasn't special. It was actually very ordinary. And it said this, this flower uh, in Sharon, of Sharon. And Sharon means this large plain, this wide area. And so she's essentially saying, I am a small flower amongst many others in a wide sweeping field. See, she was describing herself as average. 
as nobody special. Just another woman, part of a harem with, thousand, with a thousand others. And a lily of the valley with a very similar concept. She viewed herself as just ordinary, just ordinary. And one commentator scholar puts it this way, that when we read chapter 2, verse 1, you can just add this adverb, the word just, and it would make more sense. And it would read something like this, I am just a rose of Sharon. I am just a lily in the valley. See, somewhere along the way, she believed about herself that she wasn't special. Somewhere along the way, she believed the words that were thrown at her that she wasn't unique, that she was just ordinary. And when we look at last week, when we look at chapter 1, there could have been several different reasons. Uh, Maybe it was because of her controlling and abusive, condescending words of the king. Maybe it was from her uh, her brothers who in chapter 1 says they hated her and said that put her in slavery, work in the fields. Maybe it was by society who, who outcasted her because she was a peasant, because she was a, a, a works, worked out in the farms. I don't know what it is, but somewhere along the way, she began believing the words that were said to her. And the question tonight for you and for me is what are the words that you are believing about yourself? What are the words that you're believing about yourself? I'm not, attracted, I'm not attractive enough. I'm not thin enough. I'm not strong enough. I know some of us are wrestling with, I'm not successful enough. I'm not wealthy enough. And for a lot of Christians, I'm not spiritual enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not a good husband. I'm not a good wife. I'm not a good friend. I'm not a good boyfriend. I'm not a good student. Whatever it is, these are messages that we're bombarded with every single day. And just like this woman in in Song of Solomon, chapter 2, we also slowly begin to believe in these words that slowly seep into our souls. And when we believe in these words that society tells us to believe, it starts to change our trajectory of what we believe about ourselves, about God, and about the ones that we love. And then I love in verse chapter 2, this is the man talking. Uh, The man says this, as a lily among brambles, it's the NRSV, or or thorns in other translation. So as a lily among thorns, so is my love among maidens. And so what's happening is that uh, this man takes what the woman says in verse 1. When the woman says, I am just a rose, I am just a lily, the man responds to her in these words of affirmation and flips her own words upside down and says, if you think you're just a rose, if you think you're just a lily, let me tell you how I see you. You are a lily amongst thorns. And that wasn't much of a compliment to the other women that were around her. But what he's basically saying is you're special, you stand out, you're different, you are this beautiful lily by itself, and you stand out because around you are just thorns, you are special, you're unique, you're not just ordinary. And immediately the affirmation that this man gives to this woman changes the trajectory of the relationship. 
all of a sudden, her, her tone changes, her attitude shifts, and immediately there's an intimacy that has been birthed. Because we understand that words are powerful. And so in a world of constant criticism, God calls us, you and me, to provide these words of affirmation, to bring hope, joy, and growth on behalf of the ones that we love. Whether it be your husband, your wife, your spouse, your friend, your family member, a loved one, we have a responsibility to bring hope with the words that we speak to them. Because the reality is this, everybody, everybody, you, myself, your spouse, the people around you, we're all asking the same question. And the question is this, the question is who am I? We're always asking constantly the question of who am I? And the reality is there's so many voices out there that wants to answer that question for your children, for the people around you, for yourself. Yes, we're going to always ask, who am I? Who am I? And believe me, even watching TV, going to the grocery store, talking to people down the street, whatever it is, there's going to be messages that tries to answer that question of who you are. And my question to you is, are you at that table? Are you part of that conversation for the ones that you love? Are we being a beacon of light to our loved ones? Are we providing uh, a life jacket in the sea of criticism? And I love what uh, Dr. Allender, he's, he's a professor at Seattle School of Theology and Psychology. Here's what, here's what he says. Um, he says this in the context of marriage, but I would add it to all close and loving relationships. He says this, God calls husbands and wives to use our words to push back the chaos and shape our lives into order and beauty. He calls us to use our words to bring life to those who hear. In a world of criticism, in a world of noise, in a world of lies, affirmation is that much more important. And affirmation is powerful. Are we affirming the ones that we love? Are we at the table in that conversation? And number two, I'll say this. And when it comes to affirmation, unexpressed affirmation is no affirmation. Unexpressed affirmation is no affirmation at all. And when we look at Song of Solomon chapter 1, all the way through, even chapter 2, you can see that these two are crazy about each other. They are absolutely head over heels in love with one another. And how do we know this? How do we know this is true? Because they're verbalizing it. Because they're communicating it to one another. It's not rocket science. They know that they love and adore and cherish one another because they tell each other that constantly throughout these poems, throughout this book. And I love in chapter 2, he uses words like, show me your face, let me, let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. And then she responds and says, my beloved is mine and I am his, and uses all these compliments. You are like a gazelle, you are this, you are that. And there's so much love and passion between these two. 
See, Gary, Dr. Gary Chapman, who is, a, is an author, wrote this book called The Five Love Languages of Love. Uh, f- yeah, five, The Five Love Languages. And he says there's five love languages, and one of them is the, are words of affirmation. We all have a love language, is what Dr. Gary says. In fact, there's five. And one of those is words of affirmation. And I know a lot of us, we have the gift of affirmation. I've experienced your gift uh, of affirmation, even to me. The encouragement, the affirmation. And I know at the same time, many of us, including myself, we actually don't possess this gift of affirmation. It's difficult. It's a challenge to us. We have to be very extra intentional about it uh, because the issue is this. It's easy for us to think that, fill in the blank, that our spouse, our friend, our family member, our fiance, uh, whoever it is, it's easy for us to assume that they know how we feel. It's easy for us to think uh, our loved one knows how we feel about them. And there's this old comic that I, that I read and where a husband says this. He, he says, I told my wife I loved her on our wedding day and I'll let her know if anything changes. It's kind of sad, kind of funny, but also kind of true that a lot of us, some of us will have this gift of affirmation. We're good at affirming and loving and encouraging others. And some of us, we're just terrible at it. And that includes myself because we don't have that gift. And the reason why it's difficult for us, for a lot of us, is that we already assume, we just think the person already knows how we feel. Uh, several years ago, uh, when I was in grad school, uh, I lived with f- five, so four guys, including me. So there was five guys, two bedrooms, one bathroom. Uh, and we lived like this for about two and a half years. And, and you, can, you can imagine how, how disgusting that two and a half years were. Uh, and they really were. Uh, even in my own house, I wouldn't wear, uh, I would always wear shoes. Because I didn't want to walk bare feet in my own home. I remember I would actually wear shower sandals in my own bathtub uh, because I knew how disgusting the place was. And, and one thing that I was very particular about, uh, and maybe if you have roommates, you understand this, were the dishes. Like I've always, I always, I was really good at washing my own dishes, and, and I loved a clean kitchen and a clean sink. One of my roommates didn't have a very similar appreciation, didn't have, a, didn't have the same value as me. And so whenever I got done eating and cooking, whatever it is, I would wash my dishes. <clears throat> and in the sink would actually be his dishes as well. And so as a good roommate that I was, I would wash my dishes, and then I would wash his dishes, and I would put it away. Uh, a couple days later, I would come in and do my dishes. And again, I would see his dishes in the sink. And if you are here and you live with, and you live with roommates, or if you've lived with roommates before, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And so I'd wash his dishes, and I would do this for weeks, actually. And finally, surprise, surprise, I had this regressed anger inside of me. And I finally said, look, I'm sick and tired of doing your dishes, but the least you can do is say thank you. The least you can do is acknowledge that I've been a good friend, I've been a good roommate, so for goodness sakes, say thank you. And he says to me, oh, I thought you already knew. 
No, I didn't know because you never said thank you. Oh, it's without say. Well, no, you really didn't say it, but because you didn't say it, I didn't know. I didn't know. See, when it comes to affirmation, this is really important. When it comes to affirmation, there's a huge distance. There's a huge space between thinking it and saying it. When it comes to affirmation, there's a big space between merely thinking it and saying it. And I love watching you guys out there. You're kind of tapping the person next to you. Are you listening? Because merely thinking it can destroy a relationship. Maybe subtly, maybe slowly, but just thinking it can destroy a relationship. But saying it can build it. Unexpressed affirmation is no affirmation at all. And lastly, I would say most importantly, affirmation breeds affirmation. In other words, let me just say this, affirmation creates safety. When we're generous with our affirmation, it breaks down barriers, it breaks down walls, it breaks down fears, and it creates intimacy. See, genuine, and I say genuine, genuine affirmation becomes an invitation for a genuine response. When the walls are broken down, when the first move is made, suddenly things change. Suddenly the conflict has come down. Suddenly the anger has resided because words are powerful. But we all know initiating affirmation, making that first move, it requires a lot of humility. It requires a lot of vulnerability. It requires risk. Because you may affirm, you may show love, you may want reconciliation, but we have no idea what the response will be because true love risks. True love requires sacrifice. <clears throat> And again, true love always makes the first move. And I love what it says here in chapter 2, verse 3. It says, like an apple tree among the trees of the forest is my lover among the young men. I delight to sit in his shade, and his fruit is sweet to my taste. See, suddenly there's a sense of safety. This woman who at one time said, I am just a rose. I am just a lily. Then you hear this man saying, you're not just a rose. You're special. You're different. You're unique. I love you. And I love you more. And I love you. And I see you as better and and higher than those around you. You're so special to me. And suddenly those words of affirmation breaks down these walls. And she says, I can come to you like a tree like an apple tree, which in ancient Palestine uh, symbolized a place of safety. Suddenly, he becomes a place of safety for her. Like an apple tree among the trees of the forest is my lover. And then she says, I delight to sit in his shade, to be covered by him, and his fruit is sweet to my taste, which talks about intimacy and sexuality, which we'll talk about in later weeks. But affirmation 
breeds affirmation. Affirmation breeds intimacy. And intimacy gives birth to safety. You can't have one without the other. I mean, have you ever been in a conversation or a relationship that didn't feel safe? And maybe physically, and I'm not just talking about physically, but even emotionally or mentally. You just, you just knew that it didn't feel safe. Or, or maybe you've been in a big argument and you go back and forth, back and forth, arguing about something and something. And all of a sudden, someone makes a, a joke on accident and both of you just start cracking up. Has that ever happened to you before? When you're, just, when you're arguing with somebody over and over again about, at this point, you don't even know what you're arguing about. And somebody slips and makes a joke by accident and you guys both start cracking up. And all of a sudden, the argument seems silly. See, that's what affirmation does to conflict. That's what affirmation does in our relationships. See, when you feel danger in a relationship, you begin to close down. We begin to operate from a place of fear. Yet when we give the gift of affirmation, something shifts. In that relationship, guards comes down, defensiveness settles down, and safety breaks in. And with safety comes intimacy because, again, you can't have safety without intimacy and you can't have intimacy without safety. Affirmation breeds affirmation. When I was going through my ordination several years ago, part of the ordination uh, requirements was that I, was, I would be a, a chaplain at a hospital, essentially a hospital pastor. And I would visit people that were very ill, and not just ill, but literally they were on their deathbed. They would, they would die any day, any week, some of them any minute. And I would have conversations going from room to room to room, and all they would want is just someone to talk to. And oftentimes when they would want to talk, they would want to talk about their life. And when they want to talk about their life, they really talked about their regrets. And they would always start off with words like, I wish. I wish this. I wish that. And I'll tell you what I never heard. And people that were just about to die, literally die, they never said, I wish I had a nicer house. They never said, I wish I had a bit, uh, they they, they never said, I wish I had a nice car. They never said, I wish I had more money. They never said, I wish I had nicer things. In fact, a lot of them said very similar things. And they would say, I wish, I told my wife, I loved her more. I wish, I told my husband how much I appreciated him. I wish, I told my children how much I valued them and loved them. I wish I told my family members how special they were. It was never about any material possession. It was never about a thing. They would never mention that. They would always say, I wish I would tell that person I love them more, and I hope they knew that. It was about affirmation. And as I invite the worship team back up, I want us to enter into this place. Who do I need to affirm Tonight, today, who is it that I've neglected to share my love and encouragement to? 
Because again, affirmation is so important, especially now in a world of criticism. And number two, we get, we get so bogged down, we forget that unexpressed affirmation is actually no affirmation at all. Remember that affirmation breeds affirmation. See, when Jesus, when Jesus was going through his temptations, uh, the temptations, was, they were all about his identity. This is who you should be. This is who you are. Here, do this, do that, in Matthew chapter 4. But the important part is, when we read chapter 3, it was all about his baptism. And he was affirmed by God, affirmed and said, You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Jesus was affirmed that day through that baptism. And Jesus affirms this in us. To each and every one of us, you and myself, he says, you are my son, you are my daughter, and you, I am well pleased. See, Christ has a high view of us. So there is no rejection. There's just safety. There's intimacy. Christ affirms that. In us, And it's through that affirmation, through that love that we receive, that we can affirm and love others. See, communion, the cross, is how Jesus has affirmed us. Creates safety, creates intimacy. And I would say this, as we take communion tonight, as we partake uh, in these elements, Jesus says on that night that he was betrayed, he says, take this, take the bread. This is my body that was broken for you. This is my affirmation of love to you. And then he says, drink of this cup. This is my blood that was shed for you. Again, this is Christ's affirmation to us. And as we take in this, as we receive this, I would say, let's do an inventory. Who have we failed to affirm? Maybe on Mother's Day, maybe it's our own mothers. We've failed to affirm. Yes, we may think she already knows. But unexpressed affirmation is no affirmation at all. Maybe it's our spouse that we just assume that they know. Or maybe it's our friends or our family. And maybe there's conflict even. No, that affirmation breaks down that barrier. Affirmation breeds affirmation by creating safety. And with safety comes intimacy. And that all began right here. When Jesus made the first move. So I'm going to pray. And I want you to just do that inventory. And when you're ready, you can come down and partake. We'll go counterclockwise and the blue basket is gluten-free. This table is for everybody. Come and receive. God, thank you so much for your work 
your life, your death on the cross. You made the first move in, in affirming us and who we are. And with that, may we be brave and courageous to affirm others, especially, especially, especially the ones that we love and that are so close and so dear to us. And forgive us for the ways that we have failed to express our affirmation to them. But God, starting tonight, may we be intentional. We thank you and we partake. In your name we pray, amen. Thank mm-hmm. you.